Sonic Statesman.com. So, hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 8484 is going live on the 1st of May, I believe, which is May Day. So, it could be the May Day issue, but it's also going to be sort of PJ's, PJ Tracy's bachelor party episode. If I'd known, I'd have, I'd have got something to drink in and we could have all sat here and kind of, you know, had a bachelor type party thing going on. So, hey, PJ, nice to have you back and uh, glad to hear you're getting married on Friday, right? Yeah, getting married on Friday. Glad to be back. Um, mostly everything's taken care of, so this is a, a great way to spend a Wednesday morning. Cool. Well, I hope you're not having. Uh, it's not like you haven't got to decide what colour you want the, uh, you know, the tablecloths and all of that sort of thing. I left that up to everyone else but me. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way. Yeah. I don't know. I, there, there's always these programs on TV about kind of you know wedding organisation and all this sort of thing, and it just looks like a nightmare to me. I do have to say it's been very, very easy. My mother-in-law is an incredibly cool person, um, and my my bride-to-be is very easygoing. And there's been very little, very little snag in the entire process of setting this thing up. And things that appeared like they might become problematic never did actually erupt. So, you that's good omen. Yeah, it well, is. We'll be, we'll be thinking of you on Friday when you get wed. So are you Thank doing you anything exotic? You like on top of a mountain or bungee jumping or anything like that? Or uh, nothing like that. We're getting married in a local arboretum and oh, an indoor nice. indoor flower garden. So it should be, uh, regardless of the weather, I think it'll be beautiful. Well, PJ, I wish you every joy, and um, I hope it goes as smooth. And uh, are you going on a honeymoon shortly afterwards, or are you sticking around? Or we are. We're going to go up into the north woods of Minnesota for a little while, and um, my family has a home up there, and we're going to just spend a week in seclusion. So it should be uh, – It's a. Uh, we look very much forward to it. It's yeah, just been a crazy fun. couple of months, so, yep. Well, great. Um, well, nice to have you aboard, PJ. Uh, PJ, actually, one thing. Is your URL ready yet? No, I do not. Uh, okay. I won't say it then. <laughs> Sorry about okay, that. Okay, well, I'll move on to uh, Mr. Rich Hilton, who's uh, also stateside. Um, Rich is in in Connecticut, and I think um, you must be just getting over the effects of, did you have your big rehearsal at the weekend for the, uh, the, the gala performance? We had rehearsal and show. It's oh, the show too. Sorry. All behind us now, yes. Wow, how'd it go? It went very well. It was really exciting. Uh, tr- big fun. Great show. Uh Let's see. Patty LaBelle walked in and just tore the roof off of the place. It was unbelievable. Wait, she just, she walked in out of the rain, got up on stage, opened up a microphone and just let loose and it was unbelievable, you know, at rehearsal uh in the afternoon. And then in the show she was just as good. And playing uh Monkey Songs with Mickey was big fun and uh playing with Slash again is always great. He's a great guy. It was really nice to all of us and nice to my kids and Eric Benet sang fantastic and uh, was re- musically and uh, actually the entire evening couldn't have been better as far as I was concerned. It was great. Rich Hilton, of course, uh, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. But I, I have always wondered who actually honeymoons in, in northern Minnesota. And I think now I know. <laughs> PJ. Yeah, now you know. Minnesotans do. <laughs> right. <laughs> so are there any bears? Uh, there are. There are se- yeah, several species, actually. Oh, well, that'll be cool. Yeah. Well, or not. Uh, uh, hopefully we won't run into any. Obviously you don't want your kind of spouse to be carried off by a grizzly or anything because it would be a bit inauspicious. But, you know, it'd be kind of nice to spot one or something. I can imagine it'd be quite exciting, assuming yeah, you're not about to be eaten. I've never actually I've never actually seen a bear out in the woods live, but I have seen bear, bear tracks and bear scat. Haven't so. you just got to leave some toothpaste outside? Then they'll just be there like a shot. Is that right? Isn't it toothpaste? Is that, that like leaving, crazy leaving a quarter under your pillow for the tooth fairy? Yeah, you the just... bear fairy, you just leave a tube of toothpaste and it'll turn up and eat everything. Uh, <laughs> probably. I don't know. I'm guessing. I mean, how would I know? We don't have bears here at all. Let's go on to our next guest, who is Mr. Mark Tinley. Hello. Mr. Mark Tinley, who's myspace.com forward slash Mark Tinley. One word. See, I got it right the first time. It's a good <laughs> Hello. How are you, Mark? I am... I don't know, actually. I I um, had some French sausage for lunch. Really nice. And um, we bought various different ones with, uh, you know, garlic sausage and I think buffalo and bison and uh, ostrich and a few other really weird right. ones. Not very French. Birthday. Okay, they weren't spelt like that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Le <laughs> buffalo. 
<laughs> I love buffalo. Well, anyway, I was just eating one of these for lunch, the remains of one, and mm. as I chewed through it, I came across a very hard bit, and I thought, oh, there's a stone in the in my food, you know, which is possible, I suppose. So I, I spat it out, and I actually had, like, half a big emu tooth in there or something. Uh, so uh, I'm, I've don't know how I'm feeling now, because the thing is, I spat that bit out, but I don't know how much more emu tooth I've eaten for lunch. So, you know, I, I suppose my calcium level will go up, but it's a bit weird eating teeth, isn't it? I, I, I've, heard, I've heard, yeah. I've not done a great deal of it, but yes, I can imagine it's not good for, well... I thought I was safe as well. I mean, with, Mac, with McDonald's, you might expect something like that, but not with, like, highly expensive posh French sausage. It should well, be, like... <laughs> well, maybe. I, I guess the thing is, it's more... Well, let's not go there. We could get into a discussion of the merits of processed and non-processed food. We could probably devote a whole podcast to it, I'm sure. But yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, and I hope it doesn't... Um... Well, if I, say, if I start choking or dying or anything, you'll know we'll, what's happened. We'll call the ambulance, hey, don't worry. Mark, yeah, put, a, put a quarter under your tongue and the tooth fairy will come and... And Come and get bring it. You, bring you more <laughs> <Yeah>. teeth. <laughs> I think I could do with some more teeth. I'm running out of teeth. Oh, boy. Um, well, Mark, I'm sorry to hear that, but um, I am glad that you're here. So thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mr. Dave Spears, uh, g4software.com um, from Sunny Henley. How are you? I'm brilliant this week. Hey, well, that's not something I often hear you say, so you will have to tell us why. Uh, Grand Theft Auto came out yesterday in the UK. Oh yes, I heard. So have you been up Made all night? my year. Yes, I have. Have you? Are yep. you a, are you a coffee? You've been on coffee and um, and computer games for the last twenty four hours. Then it's just a game, really. Not too much coffee. Right. Quite a lot of cities. <laughs> is it good? It's brilliant. Yeah, well impressed. Almost worth. Well, yeah, no, it is worth the wait. I just Excellent. I've never really um never really got into computer games, as you know, but. Uh, I'll take your word for it. And what's that on, PS3? Uh, Xbox. I had to put it down at stupid clock this morning. Years ago, I used to like do things like stick a week off work just to finish a game, but that's not an option anymore. So No, I suppose not. I'm a good boy today. So on the Xbox, actually, I was, um, I was at my local mobile phone shop um, yesterday, just walking past. This is with Orange, who I've since left because they're so rubbish at their, um, their service. Anyway, uh, and I don't mind saying so. And, and now they're obviously, because customers must be leaving them in droves, they're actually trying to kind of get them back by saying, you get a free Xbox if you sign up for the uh, to get a phone, which I thought was wow. kind of, that's Bloody pretty, hell. yeah, exactly. It'll be the first generation Xbox, won't it? Well, I expect so, yeah. <laughs> no, probably. Tied ah, to some... Somebody gave me one of those, so they can't be worth very much. <laughs> <laughs> Is that game photorealistic or thereabouts? It's very, very real? good. Yeah, I, I actually bought a new TV, especially for it. I bought the full-on 1080p telly. Wow. So I set that up, set the Xbox up, and it was like... And to be honest, I'm not that impressed with the TV itself, you know, with standard definition broadcast stuff. And I was like, mm, I don't know, maybe I'm going to send it back. And then I got the game through and switched everything to 1080 and just and just went, whoa, it's staying. Wow, <laughs> that's the problem with those um, high-res TVs. I mean, it just shows up all the crappy compression artifacts that you've got in the kind of the stuff that we get, you know, via terrestrial and cable TV. That's yeah, what I find. Horrible. But I guess coming straight from the Xbox, you're going to be fine. And um, the first topic in the list was um, presented by one Mr. Richard Hilton, who um, you sent this last week, which is a kind of wired blog. When I saw it last time, when you sent it, it didn't have that many entries on it, and now it's got tons. And what it is is basically a sort of list of rare um, gadgets. I mean, there's an 808 on there. There's not musical stuff necessarily. It's just rare um, technology um, that is either considered beautiful or funky and is hard to find. I was very pleased to know that I actually used to own one of them, which was a Saab, v, uh, Saab 96 V4. Oh, uh, did you? <laughs> I, used to have, I used to have one of those. I want the early. I want the three-cylinder one, the earlier one. No, that's the two-stroke, isn't it? Or not yes. The, but there are a bunch of things on there. Um, Rich. I've got an amphi now. Yes. Is there anything on there that you like to put on? Was there anything that you that was on there that you loved? Or would I, uh, like Dave, uh, it was an all of the above moment. I mean, the musical stuff is fascinating. And I, fa I think it was the Roland TB303 
being included that got me in through some other list I was reading, and I got a look at this and said, "Wow, look at all of this stuff." It, and it's and the non the musical stuff's interesting things like you know mechanical drum machines and stuff like that. But then but then uh, or whatever. But th- then you get into the non musical stuff, the tubes with the numerical displays and different kinds of knives. They're lovely, aren't they? They're basically six vacuum tubes with numbers in them. Um, well, I, re- I recall operating uh, an Ampex tape machine that had those as the counter. Wow. They were, apparently, they were made in the early 70s. You can buy six tubes on eBay, which will give you enough to make a clock for about 24 bucks. But if you right. buy a pre-made Nixie clock, um, it'll cost you about 400 bucks. I said to Chris yesterday, I want a synth with that as a parameter display. Oh, wow. Imagine that. It'd be right. awesome. Wouldn't it be awesome? All tube synths. All tube synths. Did I hear your voice just before we started this bit, say, I've got an Amphicar, Dave. Yeah. You've got an Amphicar. Yeah, a red one. An Amphibious <laughs> car. Yeah. There was yeah an, amph- I- an Amphibious yeah. was on there, which was a mass-produced Amphibious car. Dave, you have an Amphibious car. I find that... Yes. Wow. Does it work? Uh, no. No, yeah. it's in bits. Um, but it's, it's ready to be put back together. I was gobsmacked that there's supposed, supposedly only a thousand remaining. Well, they, if you look at if they ever come up on eBay, I got kind of interested in them for a while. And if they come up on eBay, they go for like twenty seven, twenty five, thirty five, forty grand, and they they just go for an insane amounts of money. So it's worth an absolute fortune. Is the first thing, and the second thing is when you put it back together, can I borrow it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I live right on the river, so I thought you know if it ever gets put back together, we'd have a sort of day out on it. I remember seeing it as a kid actually driving up and down the Thames. And thinking it's going to sink because they're really low at the back. They are, yeah. You wouldn't yeah. want to do it on a windy day. Or Johnny, keep still in the back there, for God's sake. You know, just. <laughs> There's a 1962 Amphicar on eBay at the moment, which has got uh, three days to go, and it's twenty-two and a half thousand dollars. Whoa! Whoa! It's been in dry storage for about fifteen years. Hmm. Along with my DS, and the DS is first to get redone. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, I know, Dave, you're a big fan of Citroen DSs. Actually, the Citroen DS should definitely be on that list. I was disappointed it wasn't, I have to say. Well, you can always well, submit your own. You know, there's a form at the bottom. Just get it up there, Dave. Go for it. Yeah, I might let's, do that. Let's... Got it off a French farmer who died, and his son had stored it for 10 years in the barn. And I got married in it, and then I stored it. Did you have chickens in it? And Did it have chickens and stuff in it? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like one of those things they use for a Stella Artois ad, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> Taking it back to the um, the music technology, there was a surprising yeah. amount on there, and considering it's wired, it's not like you know Harmony Central or anything. I mean, it was it was actually non music specific. The one of my favourites, and I'm going to play you an example here. See if you can guess what it is. Check the groove out. This is a selection of patterns here. You know what that was? That was a Korg Donkomatic drum machine, which I confess I'd uh-huh. never, ever heard of. Apparently, it was, uh, it was made in 1966. It had a built, built-in speaker and amp, and it weighed 17 kilograms. And, but one thing that was kind of cool, it had three switches, so you could, cancel, you could drop out the bass drum, snare drum, and, and claves. So you kind of had quite a lot of um, you know, manipulation, considering the, the time of it. Did, um, had you, anyone ever seen one of those? I was, I was gobsmacked. Not no, in the flesh. I quite liked the sound of the snare. It sounded like a whipping noise, didn't it? I like all the cameras. I liked the KGB spy camera. Yeah, there's lots of that kind of stuff on it. And the KGB throwing knife. That was bizarre, wasn't it? It's like a handle with a spring in it, and you'd sort of press a button, and it would fire its blade up to twen- accurately at up to 20 feet. And and the Fisher-Price Fisher video camera as well. I like that. Can you, can you watch the output on a Fisher-Price Viewmaster? Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. You could have a Fisher-Price home entertainment system. Oh, it'd be great. Because I've got a Fisher-Price tape, pa- tape deck, which my daughter always um, has for you know, nursery rhyme cassettes and what have you. I've got, I'm going to add something to this list as well. My sort of favourite ga- gadget that I've got is a G-Force meter, which uh, I had on my monkey bike, and it measures how many Gs you're pulling when you, take, <laughs> when you, when you accelerate. <laughs> so, wow. So what it does is it measures the G-force between standstill and 
60 miles an hour. I think it knows when it's going 60 miles an hour as well. I don't know how. but um, wow. And then it tells you what your 0 to 60 speed is. Wow, that's cool. Dave Spears, you need to take some footage and, and get some graphics of that, don't you? You've got to have one of those in your products, a G-Force meter. Surely. Good. Yes. Yeah. Not on a monkey bike, though. No, I can't no. imagine it gets up to much on a monkey bike. I tried it in my girlfriend's Puma as well. That was Ford Puma. That was quite good fun. Yeah, I imagine it registered a few there. Yeah, it did. Um, I can't remember what, but if you put it laterally across the car as well and then you throw the car around about, you can get sort of one, one and a half Gs if you go <laughs> really fast round the roundabout. <laughs> Sideways, so. Like Top Gun. <laughs> so when you so, and then you crash because you're spending all your time looking at the g-force meter going look look we're at one and a half there were a few items on this list uh musical that interested me the eight wasn't the ada flanger pedal on there yeah i saw yeah. that now that that is i have very fond memories of that pedal it was it was absolutely the thing when it came out nothing no flanger i'd heard sound, it sounded even better than the mxr to me is that what, has it got one of those kind of jet engine noise it's Flaps got a thing. great feedback circuit, yeah, with a little bit of noise going on. But it just it had this wonderful tone. Um, synths, guitars, everything you put through it, it just had a really, it was an outstanding electronic flanger. And uh, the Sinclair ZX88 uh, was something I remember fondly because I used to sit around and play with my dad's when it first came out. And I uh, was fascinated by the thing. And uh, it was one of my, fir- you know, probably, certainly my first handheld computer experience. I know what an eight, a ZX81 is and a ZX Spectrum, but what's an a- what is an 88? Well, uh, reading their synopsis, Sinclair's short-lived portable computer. It was very light, ran for over 20 hours on four AA batteries. Oh, did it have a built-in screen? It had a little screen in it, oh, okay. uh, a built-in calendar, word processor, spreadsheet, and basic programming language. And use solid state storage. God, it's like it's like the uh, the precursor to the Mac Airbook, <laughs> except, except the battery life was a lot better. <laughs> yeah, but the GUI wasn't quite as elegant. But that was you know that kind of that stuff you know. And the ARP twenty six hundred was on the list. Yeah. I just I'm by you know, fuzzy I, and romantic when those things happen. I, I was I'm surprised that we didn't see more from uh, Sir Clive Sinclair. Actually, we, we should have seen a C5 on there at least. With well, the C5, obviously, is the sort of little battery-powered kind of dodgem thing that you should drive around in at sort of 18 inches off the ground and very lethal. But you're allowed to go on the ground. Um, there are a couple of things I, I did particularly. The one thing that str- that really got me was um, Polaroid film. As of February yeah. 2008, its production has completely um, ceased, and prices have no jumped up to like 25 bucks a box of films. And it just, you know, because I remember obviously using Polaroid things for total recalls of uh, mixing desks and mixes and stuff. And it just yeah. kind of, oh, that whole thing's gone. That's an entire company. Nick Rhodes used to scribble on them as well. Whenever I'd take photographs for recalls and then he'd start drawing all over them and spreading the chemicals all over the place. And I'd end up with a beautiful piece of art and no, no information about what I needed to reset. Uh, <laughs> he fancied himself as a bit of a Ralph Steadman then, did he? I don't know who Ralph Steadman is. Ralph Steadman it... used to do those kind of distorted Polaroid images. He used to take pictures, and then, and then you, if, before they set, if you kind of draw, I don't know what you'd use, I mean, whatever tool implement you use, you could sort of pull all the inks and the dyes, so you get this kind of melted, stretchy sort of effect to them. Which, ah, which I could okay, imagine but... play havoc with your Total Recall. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I believe there was a Peter Gabriel album or two done this way, cover. Uh, I, that's where I yes, learned about it. Um, I think um, the shock the monkey wasn't it? Was what? What was that on? Was that it was, that one? The third one? The, I think the it was third one. Gabriel three. I started playing around with it at that point because you know, for, to me, anything he was doing at that point was cool and worth trying out. Yeah. I'm looking at that in my office, Chris bought me the uh, the original of that, oh, signed cool. by the author, signed by the um, guy who did the graphics. Oh that's my goodness! Fantastic. Excellent. What about that Nagra though? Oh yeah, yeah. The, Nag- say, that, the little that. Nagra tape pl- tape. Pl- I I remember borrowing a, a bigger Nagra um, to do some kind of sound effects gab- gathering when I uh, when I was working on a building site. We had some very long um, scaffolding tubes that, when you hit them, they made this amazing sort of bung noise. And I I borrowed a Nagra to go and sample them to put them into my um, Mirage. <laughs> but sadly, Excellent. sadly, the noise ratio was so high it just sounded like a sort of <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't really work at all. But but that that was a bigger sort of film Nagra. The little ones are just gorgeous, aren't they? 
Absolutely. That's my favourite thing on there, definitely, without any doubt. And the engineering, just the fact that the, the, at those alloy or aluminium or whatever they are, reels with the holes in, they just look just gorgeous. They were so expensive, Nagra things, weren't they? I mean, they were just not... Um, they were, they, I, I imagine those spy ones must have been even more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of spies, actually, um, did you know... Because uh, the the, RC, the ARCA theremin was on there, and I just had to I looked at a little bit of um, stuff about um, Leon theremin, and it said that he was a KGB spy, and I was thinking, really, that sounds a bit like nonsense, to be honest. But then I looked it up, and actually, um, in his early scientific days, he worked for um, the KGB on special projects um, like bugs and all sorts of electronica stuff, and then and, and then I sort of carried on looking at it, and he had this sort of really weird relationship. Apparently, um, his first wife, uh, who was called Katia. They, they they thought they pronounced his first wife and him divorced, you know, with actually out consulting them because of her political affiliations. And his second wife, who was an African-American student in his back, um, they forcibly repatriated him. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, can really you imagine? There's then, an amazing documentary, actually, on him that you really must, must see. I really will have it, to, because it just sounds like a kind of... Sp- a spy move. I mean, the, the the last bit in it was when he sort of finished with the KGB. He went to Moscow Conservatory of Music, and he was expe- he was expelled after being told by the assistant director, "Electricity is not good for music. Electricity is to be used for electrocution." <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's harsh, isn't it? I mean, wow. I, I want to see that film because it sounds like it's absolutely fascinating. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And there's a fantastic piece at the end. I won't ruin it for you, but it's really, really touching. But that golden DeLorean is amazing. But I, I owned one of those Mooger Fruger analog delay pedals along with the ring modulator. And I, I love those. I love those pedals. I, I think I maybe have. I think maybe them making it onto top rare technology is perhaps a little bit. Um, I don't know. Are they rare or is it just some Moog head kind of? No, I don't think they're there? rare. I think you can still get a hold of those. No trouble. But yeah, great one, Rich, and and it seems to be growing. I, I think when I first looked at it, I didn't quite get it because it's kind of, it's got a kind of um, scrolling text box, and you have to scroll down in the text box to see all the entries, and then there's a next button right at the bottom, and it's a little bit cumbersome to get around. But there's tons of stuff in there, absolutely tons of it. Yeah, I've just um, I've just had a look on eBay, and I found uh, some Nagra SNST tapes on eBay, and it says that those reels are plastic. Oh. which has upset me because i thought they looked like aluminium in this picture maybe the right one's aluminium so um anything else on there that anybody want to uh, comment on before we move on to our next topic well there's the stylophone yeah of course well the stylophone was on there which of course you can see in our new short series uh the first of which was uh probably two or three weeks ago of wiggadal's world and he's a mad swedish um eccentric chap who collects obsolete electronica and uh, the stylophone was i think the first episode of that so uh, go and check them out on sonic state it's back as well isn't it the stylophone i think they yeah. are remaking it aren't they yeah they are and it's got an mp3 input whatever the hell that means oh well, so you can jag- jam along with it i think mm-hmm. i pl- think you must be able to plug your mp3 player in the side of it and then play along with it maybe it comes out the speaker as well or something i'm not really sure the stylophone, actually, I remember seeing they, they used to make big ones, didn't they? Sort of bass versions. Is that right? Yeah. I'd with two to... with two styluses. Or wow. two styli, should Stylize. I say. Stylize. <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be, be a, um, a stylophone orchestra somewhere, hasn't there? And if there's not, there should be one, definitely. I think there should. Yeah. Oh, Carl, we could go on this list for ages and ages and ages. And in fact, we probably have. So should we move on to the next topic? The first one is uh, this Metallica U-turn over, fi- over file sharing. It seems to be the week or the season for U-turning. Our, our own uh, Prime Minister seems to be spending a lot of time U-turning on various policies. And Metallica obviously feel they want to join into the U-turn party. So um, apparently um, Metallica, who were one of the driving forces betwi- behind the kind of Napster, the initial sort of test case against Napster, who was one of the first peer-to-peer um, file sharing networks and um, uh, in a statement the band said that its fight was not about downloading it was about piracy and money that the artist makes and they're going to do one more album for warners uh, on the kind of old record company model and then i think they're heading for free download land you know and doing it the way that uh, radiohead and sir cliff have done anybody kind of have anything to say about this this was a shoddy bit of journalism wasn't it the, the original thing was metallica now embraces file sharing with a question mark right 
and it said that they've been observing Radiohead and Trent Reznor and all those things. And then the one on the Enquirer uh, was no question mark. And I don't know how it seemed to have got turned into a kind of anti. And I have no allegiance to Metallica whatsoever. But it seemed to go, you know, it was turned into a kind of Metallica rant about file sharing. When actually I don't see that there's any reference to file sharing. It was just about using the internet to provide people with your music. So I can't see where there's a U-turn here. Well, perhaps not. The shoddy journalism also has to be aimed at me then, because I never saw that article. (laughs) It's going to make me sound like a right chump. (laughs) 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 Lots of publicity either way, isn't it? I don't think I would have. Re- I don't think I'd have remembered who Metallica were if they didn't make such a noise about file sharing back then. And maybe it's, I mean, maybe they're making a noise again because people have forgotten them again. I don't know. I, don't I think know the original in- the original interview is with Rolling Stone. Okay. And, and it said one of the, you were one of the first artists to sue over copyright infringement and voice concern over aspects of downloading. Eight years later, we bands like Radiohead embracing the net and yet charting. How has your stance changed, if at all? And, they, and what's his name says, we have MP3s for sale. It was never about downloading per se. We have the vault where you can download shows from 20 years ago for free, full on, and it's been there for years. You can download recent shows days after they happened for, for cost. Back in the day, there was a much bigger question about on whose terms. We said, wait a minute, it should be about the artist. And then all hell broke loose and we sat on the sidelines for a while. We've been fiercely independent and controlling, sometimes to a fault. But that's why we exist, and that's why all these people show up. Well, that's very true, actually. I mean, because Metallica, um, they, didn't they manage themselves and do kind of pretty much everything initially? Uh, I have to say, I know very little about the band, other than their DVD was a huge influence on uh, the Underworld guys for their DVD. Well, was that the one about the band? Uh, they did a kind of live DVD with a million million and one other features and uh talking to them they said actually we uh, borrowed the idea from the metallica dvd i do have to recommend the documentary that they put out about two or three years ago called metallica some kind of monster that is one of the best music documentaries i have ever seen if you if you want to get yeah if you want to get under the hood of of hype and image and see you know what what it's really like to be I don't know that you do in the backseat of the car with uh, James Hedfield or Lars Ulrich. It's almost frightening. Go on. In what way? Uh, these guys are such children. I mean, <laughs> they, are, they are literally toddlers in grown men's clothing. Wow. And it's <laughs> they put out a, uh, a record, their, their most, well, the, the record that they were working on when they were, filming this documentary was called saint anger i think was the title of the of the one released and uh i think they could have renamed it infantile fit or infantile process <laughs> oh, really? or something like it's 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 i i i have never laughed and cried so hard in in a two-hour period but the, uh, i mean aren't they, they put that out themselves and knowing full yeah, well what, the, what, what it was yeah. going to show and that I, I honestly think it's it's interesting because I mean that, that's the the beautiful dichotomy of human nature is that it it really did take a lot of courage to release that that uh, documentary because <laughs> it shows them warts and all mostly warts. Is this a bit like the old Elton John tantrums and tiaras thing? Or but it is. It's like it's like watching a it's like watching a two and a half hour train wreck. Excellent. Oh my! <laughs> so made them a lot more interesting. I don't know, Rich. Have you seen this? Seen much about? I'm not that familiar with Metallica, like Dave. I think I think the most interesting point of this discussion is the media's uh, predilection to impale anybody who ever changes their mind on anything ever for any reason whatsoever, <laughs> and how it's then portrayed as a weakness on that person's part you know their their willingness to reconsider some previous decision and uh the whole i mean yeah as i look at dave's original point about shoddy journalism and how metallica however justifiably or not based on their infantile behavior is being excoriated for this just makes no sense to me whatsoever and the whole thing in the world it's a different world the world has changed greatly since whatever discussion they had about whatever they thought they were talking about back when and it's not it, the, the same decisions are not necessarily still uh, relevant to the well, world that, we're in now. I think that's a fair point and, um, and one worth taking point. on board, yeah, absolutely. 
But I, I can't. I, I've been meaning to watch that documentary for years, and I think I'll go and rent it this weekend. Oh, I highly recommend it. Sonic Talk, sponsored by Yamaha Music Production, producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles, accurate professional studio monitoring systems, incredibly realistic and portable digital stage pianos, the versatile motif range of music production synthesizers, and the latest N-series digital mixing studio. Featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration. www.yamahasynth.com Sonic Tour. Okay, well, um, let's close that topic off and uh, we'll move on to another MP3, which perhaps doesn't affect you guys in the States very much, but it may well come to you. And this is that um, there's a sort of move afoot to tax MP3 downloads in the US, in the UK, or, you know, certainly to tax. Uh, mp3 players and possibly mp3 downloads the music business group is proposing that um, you pay a tax when you transfer your music to multiple devices Uh, and they say you know last year 20 million mp3 capable portable devices were sold in the uk and that you pay a a further tax for either downloading mp3 so that you can play them on multiple devices and it just seems like a kind of a pretty bonkers idea um Considering when you buy, if you buy something legitimately the first time, then presumably you know you're buying the license to be able to listen to the music, um, and it just I don't know doesn't doesn't seem like it's it's a very good move on part of the um, business music group, which apparently uh, represent the interests of the British music record industry. Um, I think it's pretty crap, really. Um. This reminds me of something, and I can't remember what happened to it, but wasn't there a levy on blank cassettes and DATs and CDRs and stuff like that years ago? I believe you, so, yeah. Do you remember that? I don't know what yeah, ever happened to it. I don't know. That's a good point, but it was the same thing, wasn't it? That whole home taping is killing music, which is yeah. a kind of different thing. If I buy a record myself and I want to put it on my MP3 player, why the hell should I pay a, an, an additional fee for that? Um, I was as I was looking around, I found um, uh, a comment by a chap called Shane Richmond in the Daily Telegraph online, who is not it's not a paper I usually read at all, but uh, he puts a kind of interesting point, which is it's like a, a format shifting tax. So he sort of suggests that maybe you know there are other things that you could tax, which is like moving your CD player into the living room while um, to the kitchen while you have dinner party. <laughs> you could tax that. You could tax opening your patio doors while you to hear your stereo while you're barbecuing. You tax patio doors. Pausing your CD player while you go to the bathroom. Pa- tax pause buttons. Uh, and the other one was um, cleaning your ears with a cotton bud. Um, wax shifting so you can hear music better. So you should tax cotton buds. I mean, he's obviously being totally facetious there, but he's kind of got a point, hasn't he? He's sort of making out how ridiculous it is. And as another commenter points out, one more reason to download MP3s via peer-to-peer networks rather than buy them. I mean, why on earth, how on earth is that going to kind of encourage trade and encourage people to sort of embrace music? I mean, it just seems absolutely ridiculous. I think they're on the right lines, but they haven't got it quite right. And I think that we need to shift the sale of music from being the sale of music to paying to listen to it, if you know what I mean. Right. So if somehow your MP3 player knew everything you'd listened to and at the end of, you'd had to, you know, fill it up with some kind of a license or something. But um, there there should be some way that you could go and central repository with all the music that's ever been in it and some way that yeah. you can just go and collect it and then you can listen to stuff that you want to listen to and then you pay a minimal fee and that gets pipelined back to the well, artist. These, these things already exist, don't they? I mean, and we've talked about these before. I suppose that, that makes a, um, good sense. But, but then, you know, if you're going to charge for listening to music, what happens, you know, if you're, if you're dancing to music or you just got it in the background because you don't like to have the house quiet, does that have a different value? So if you're dancing, do you have to pay 50p a minute? Or do you see what I mean? Is, does it have, depending on how much entertainment you're getting from it, should you pay I mean, more? In a, in, a, in a roundabout way, if you go to a club and dance to music, you're paying, aren't you? Well, yes, because you are, you pay an entrance fee, so you pay somebody to get in so that you can be entertained. The DJ plays records. He gets paid. And yeah. they have a blanket PRS license on the building because they can't play music to public under any kind of license without having a PRS, right? Mm-hmm. So they give some money to the PRS for that license, and then that money is sort of distributed randomly, probably not to the right artists, but 
And they just need some way of making that whole system more streamlined. I mean, the fundamental problem is that human beings are horribly dishonest and they would rather steal the music and be entertained by it for nothing than pay for it, wouldn't they? Yeah, I guess that's the the fatal flaw. Couldn't we do this at the ISP level? I mean, if you could refine the system that Mark just, uh, you know, that Mark was just talking about performing rights system and they could collect the monies and distribute them i don't think you can no, i don't think you I mean, can because if just... i suddenly go hey mum, you've got to listen to this song you're gonna love this you like david bowie don't you i found some obscure b-side which you might not have heard and i i mean let's say she comes to my house and i put it in her mp3 player and she goes away my isp isn't going to know that i've given that track to my mum, is are they and then my mum might play it on her mp3 player but it's no longer linked to me so it won't ever send the information back mm. i mean it needs to be in the it needs to be in the listening hardware yeah but and that's it, but that's very that's akin to you buying a cd and making a copy of that cd and giving it to your mom you know i i still think that that you the record companies if if you could streamline that system and get the accounting correct they would still make as much or more money than they do currently. How would they know what stuff was being moved around as well? I mean, the only the only thing I could think the way it would work would be a music-on-demand system where you just had a central repository you subscribe to with every song ever. We're almost doing that now. You know, now we're moving to, you know, like media centres and what have you. You've got all your tunes on one thing. Rather than kind of look and think, oh, God, I can't remember where my Conway Twitty album is. I think it's behind, you know, the thing. I left it over, you know, I can't remember what colour the sleeve is. You're sort of browsing it via some sort of menu system on iTunes or whatever it may be, or some MP3 library manager. And, you know, that that actual music could just as easily be in a central repository online somewhere else rather than on a little hard drive in your house somewhere, you know. So it, it doesn't really, it's not that much of a leap. To me, this is the latest in a 50-year history of attempting to slam the barn door after the horse has gotten out of the barn already. And the music is all already out there. You're not going to make any money limiting people's ability to access it by taxing each performance. And and it's not going to improve anything. It's just going to place a greater distance between the business and the people. And as much as I wish it weren't so... And as much as it might have been preventable and foreseeable back when recording devices first became available to people in their homes, at this point, I don't understand. It's all out there already. And by and large, most people don't care about what's coming out now anyway, if you look at the Grammy Awards. So once it's all out there, how do you limit its performance usage? You're going to try to tax people into not playing your song? I I don't get it. (laughs) It doesn't. I, I I just think the whole thing. There there will be no protecting this. You know, it's basically. Hey, someone's making more money than we are. We want a piece of it. I don't know what the solution is to the music licensing problem as, as it used to exist regarding perform. You know, public performance. It used to be if the thing was performed publicly, somebody got a penny or two. And uh, once all the music became available to everybody simultaneously for not more than a dollar a song and probably free if you're really into it. Um. It, it's, uh, you know, how do you control what happens after that? Then what is it worth? What is the inherent value of that good or service after that moment? But then you look, you know, iTunes have done a really good job in terms of getting music out there to people. You know, they, they were recently just told that they were just, you know, listed as the top U.S. music retailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they already have kind of, well, they used to have yeah. device limitation. They're all moving away from DRM, and essentially this taxing is kind of, trying to get drm income without the drm it just seems kind of like a crazy notion well, and even with the drm people that have, have instigated the idea then to keep themselves alive no doubt and mark you might know a little more about this than i do but i because i've never seen one of these agreements but from what i understand at the end of the day out of that 99 cents the artist is getting diddly and there's really nobody getting rich off of that particular business model except apple Except to the extent that that's about the only realistic means of distribution anybody's got left anymore. I get money from my iTunes. I'm up to about uh, £6.87 now, I think. And how many, down- <laughs> yeah, but how many downloads does that represent? So presumably, you know... Not must- very many. <laughs> well, no, so that's, I mean, so if you were getting... I think I get, a, I get uh, 40p a track. Well, that's not bad. I mean, if you consider, you know, if, oh, you, were, really? if you were an artist and you sold 100,000 albums... Say so that's, uh, you know, that's uh, how many? Well, it's 40,000 pounds. 40,000 pounds. I mean, that's that ain't bad, is it? And that's just for the actual the, the mechanical part of it. That's not let alone the publishing. How many do I have to sell? 100,000. 
Yes. So if I if I can get fifty thousand listeners to buy my tracks, then I can buy Dave's Amphi car. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what to do. I just didn't know what the deal was, and I'd been given to understand that it wasn't all that great, and that, that's not a bad deal. No, I don't think that's a bad deal. I mean, you know, because most artists are getting what? Um, I mean, the, I know the deals have changed, but it used to be kind of between 10 and 17 or 18 points on an album, you know, after recoupment and all of that kind of stuff. With something like iTunes, if you can big it up and get a good, good generate good sales, if you're getting, even if you're getting 20 pence a track, that's still, you know, on an album, that's two pounds an album. That's probably more than you would probably get from a, an, a, a record deal currently, is it not? Yep, it is. Maybe I just need to write some better music. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> you need, no, Mark, you, you just need to cultivate your audience, that's all. So um, I think we'll move on from there because this is obviously a fairly big subject. It just seemed like uh, every time somebody throws one of these up, it always seems like a non-starter, but this is actually seems to be, taking very, be being taken seriously, and it's just quite scary that some idiot in government could actually kind of think, yeah, that sounds about right, and kind of let it go through without understanding. Whatever they do, someone will find a way around it, right? That's the, well, of the course. bottom right. line. Isn't it? Right. Of course, and then it'll just be another game of catch-up. stop quick because i don't want to get taxed on that mp3 playback uh-huh. uh, that was of course the b52s and um those of you who have been following the b52s career uh, as i have since the early days um will know that there's a remix competition over at acidplanet.com um where you can go and download uh, various acidized loops and kind of have a go at remixing uh, a track off their latest album uh, funplex which is kind of produced by steve osborne um and I'm not so fond of their newer stuff personally, but that first that track there was Planet Claire from the original uh, B52's album, which I don't know when was that 1976 or something 1977 must have been something like that. But no, it was closer to 1980. It was 79, 80. Really? Hmm, okay. Um, but yeah, I'm I just love their style. I thought they were fantastic. And um, so I was digging around and I found a few other clips and I, there was one where uh, uh, it was the, the video for that, which was on YouTube. And um, for those of you who are familiar with Carry On Films, I thought Fred uh, looked a dead ringer for Kenneth Williams with a moustache. Um, <laughs> but that's a, that's a side issue. But they've been going 30 years and they've sold 20 million albums. Wow. Which I was kind of, Wow. Yes, exactly. And I was looking also, and I didn't realise that first album, because it's got a quite, quite a unique instrumentation and sound, produced by Chris Blackwell, of all people, but it also listed Mr. Nile Rogers and Don Was. Does that make any yeah. sense? Not, not as relates to the first album. Has he worked on later albums then? Oh, yeah. Ah. As have I. I know these people very well. Oh, cool. They're Ooh. my friends. Brilliant. I think they're great. I've played on two of their albums. Uh, I've performed live with them. I've programmed synths for them to use live, including on the song you just played, and I've performed that song with them. Oh, wow, cool. Which bit did you, did you do the... Uh, nee, nee, nee? Oh, yeah, I played keyboards. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, Kate plays quite a bit of the keyboards. Yeah, I noticed that, that she plays, and she plays um, guitar as well in a couple of the other videos as I was digging around. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't recall seeing Kate play guitar on stage when I was with her ever, but uh, she does play keyboards, and there was a tour where they didn't want to bring out the Jupiter 6 anymore, and... I sat in a studio with the Jupiter 6 and the current Roland rack mount, whatever it was, analog synth, and uh, programmed up their show into it, you know. And uh, had, as I say, I've done shows with them and they performed. I, I've, we did a concert uh, in 1992 that uh, the band was Nile Rogers, Don Was, me, Sterling Campbell, uh, Kate, Fred, and Keith, and Kim Basinger singing second lead vocals. Wow, that's a. I didn't realize Kim was... Uh, well, I think was that was singer. her one brief foray into stage singing. Uh, it, was, it was during the period where Cindy Wilson had taken some time off to begin her family. And uh, uh, the subsequent tour, they used a woman named Julie Cruz, who had become known for singing a popular television theme in the United States and was very good and did a yeah, great job. That was the David Lynch Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. So the, the information that 
Niall and Don was worked on the first album is not right, but he has, they have worked on subsequent ones. Just right. We did, I, I believe all that began with the album Cosmic Thing, which we did in 1989, and which included on Don's side, Love Shack, which was a huge hit. And yeah, on our, our side, we did Rome and uh, Deadbeat Club and a few. We did, you know, we split the album in half. They, they, they did that album and the subsequent one. Good stuff, half and half between Nile Rogers and Don was. Ah, Rome is one of my favorite current uh, sort of later tracks, actually. That's a ah, cracker. Good. That's a real cracker. Oh, was good. But, I mean, how are they like to work with singers? Because, I mean, those two voices just sound like they're made to go together to me. I mean, it's just... Having the two of them in, a vo- in vocal booths simultaneously with microphones open and Fred, it's, it's really exciting to me because they produce that sound that is so clearly identifiable as them effortlessly. And, uh, and it's... The texture is great. Fred is a brilliant entertainer, and uh, and the girls are terrific. And uh, the last thing we did with them was a remake of uh, the Beatles' Paperback Writer for a television commercial here in the United States about three or four years ago uh, at the studio at which we had done the work on Cosmic Thing. Oh, and, cool. uh It was big. It was, oh, it was so much fun um, to do. And uh, the other thing about the B-52s that people need to understand is that Keith Strickland is a stark raving genius and completely underappreciated, in my view, uh, in terms of his massive contribution to the history of the band. I mean, when you look at the fact that on the original material, including what you just played, he was the drummer and now is the guitarist and primary songwriter. And the degree of consistency that they've achieved across the length of their career, even with such a massive shift in his role in the band... It's is pretty stunning, and and working together with Keith for me has been extraordinarily uh, pleasurable. And uh, he's, the, he's, I was going to say, is that why the most recent record has, seems to be drum machine or a lot of it? I, I, well, he hasn't played drums on a B52s album that I'm aware of in a long, long time. Uh, yeah, he's the guitarist. Very much like machine drums on the. Yeah, board. it's kind of. I mean, it's very much the Steve Osborne kind of sound, which is you know quite programmed and you know um, done that way, but. Yeah, he says he's after a dance floor party vibe, so maybe that was uh, his intention. I know I saw recent live performances on television over here, and they had Sterling Campbell back in the drum chair, and Sterling's terrific. Yeah, And they had, uh, I believe it was Tracy Wormworth back on bass. They have basically the same band they've been touring for the last 10 years, more or less, with uh, one or two occasional substitutions, and, uh, and they sounded fantastic. According to Wikipedia, Kate Pearson was 60 years old on April the 27th. Yeah, that may be. Really? That's what it says. Good I don't know that that's true, I, but I that think, might... I think that's highly wrong. She doesn't look anything like it. It says, born April 27, 1948, age 60. Well, that would have been three days ago. was her 60th birthday. Well, happy birthday, Kate. Way to go. Kate has uh, opened up a, uh, a little motel retreat in upstate New York. She's got herself a side business with that's a sort of a... And it's all done up like B-50. It's all like got this funky color schemes thing going on themed hotel cool yeah sort of sort of if you if you check her out i mean she's got a myspace page and i'm sure she's got a website but uh she's got all kinds of interesting things going on kate's really cool i know mark and dave aren't particular b52s fans but i mean you must you must kind of recognize back back then it hello pj hello we got you sorry about that we're just in full flow on on b52s oh very um, good so i'm just gonna drop um um into Mark and Dave. Dave, you've been kind of quiet. I know you're maybe not uh, the biggest B-52s fan. Did they mean anything to you kind of back in the day when they were doing that kind of crazy space rock? Um, yeah, annoying. Really? Did it, did it just not work for you? Well, that's fair enough. Uh, no, it was much too cheerful and upbeat for me, I'm afraid. Uh, but yeah, that, well, that's true. Now I know that Rich has worked with them, I may go back and explore. In fact, I'm looking at Kate's Lazy Meadow, Meadow Motel website now. i didn't have a huge affection for them either but a few years ago i got into a band called la tigra and the singer is this woman called kathleen hannah and she sounds remarkably like uh the b-52s so for some reason i like that sound mm. but it hasn't made me get Did back into the b-52s in retrospect i that- mean that's if the B-52s were a bit more punk or a bit more hard-edged, I think I might be more into them, but they I are a bit so. I too... I mean, it, it did sound like they weren't kind of thrashing their instruments, but that first album has just got some wonderful stuff on it. I really, you know, all of them... I just remember I had a cassette for years and years and years and I used to listen to it endlessly, because it's just... I did go and check out this latest album, and, and 
listening to the latest album, that's got some things that I went, hmm, yeah, so I quite like that too. So, and incredibly hook it as well. Yeah, I mean, they do know how to write good pop tunes, don't they? There's no doubt yeah. about that. I think if you I mean, saw Keith's, Keith's live presentation of the guitar parts, you would feel that it was pretty edgy. One thing that I did see when I was looking at all the YouTube videos, they just look like they have an absolute blast. I mean, there's, there's no kind of acting up for the camera, although they must be a bit, but they all look like they're having a really good time, which is always a nice to see, particularly in a band that have been going for so long. They're really good at this. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm glad that I didn't realize that, Richard, you'd worked on it, but what a happy accident. But anyway, so if anyone wants to get out there, I think there's a week left. Go to acidplanet.com forward slash B52s, B52S, that is. And you you can remix the album and win stuff. I'm not sure what the prizes are. I probably should have read a bit more, but... um, Oh, you win Acid Pro software as the grand prize. Ah, well, that's which they already enough. they already gave me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, never mind. Maybe there'll be, but there could be other things that could come from it. You never know. Can I win? Um, can I win Dave's Amphicar? I don't know. You have to ask Dave. <laughs> you have to ask Dave, and you have to ask the B fifty two. Can we have a GeForce uh, software competition where I yes. win the Amphicar? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny you should say that because I can imagine Kate and. Uh, and Cindy in the back of the amphitheater, <laughs> Fred driving. You know what I mean? I just have to mention a bit of um, <clears throat> synchronicity. As last night when I when I was looking through the uh, topic list for this morning, I was in the process of loading up an iPod for uh, a picnic that we're having in relationship to my upcoming wedding, and I was putting uh, B fifty two songs on the iPod. The love love shack, I hope. I did put that on there. Yeah, of yep. course. So um, moving from B-52s into a sort of new, there, there seems to, there's a company um, who are now doing Apple clones, which is kind of really weird. They're called um, Star, And what they're doing is they, they're, they're taking sort of vanilla PCs and they're doing the Hackintosh thing, which, you know, there are various things that you can do to get Apple OS X onto, a, onto sort of any vanilla hardware. And they start at 399 and I thought, wow, that's cheap. But then I went and had a look and... Um, it's actually 399 for the box called the Open Computer, which has no Wi-Fi, no Firewire, and no OS. So once you add that and the, and the um, operating system, it's, it's up near 700 bucks, which isn't that far off what you pay for a, you know, a Mac Mini. So I wondered whether or not, um, A, they'd sell any, and B, how, well, how could they? Because surely it's a, you know, Apple will come down on as, as a ton of bricks, but they don't seem to have yet. Dave, you said you'd been reading up on it. So um, what did you make of all of this? Well, I think even if you wanted to buy one, you can't at the minute. Oh, really? Uh, there seems to, there's quite an interesting article on Forbes, which um, said that various people had tried to order it and thought that it was a phishing scam for credit card numbers. So there have been quite a few um, accusations of that. And the SciStar president is saying, no, 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 actually, we, uh, we're moving premises and all this kind of stuff. And um, we've been so overwhelmed by demand that PowerPay locked down their account for processing too many credit cards. So then they turned to PayPal, and I think that got overloaded too. This is according to him. So uh, I thought the whole thing was quite fascinating. I know... A, a it's a bit mine, dubious, isn't it? I mean, because you would, you would assume that we'd be hearing of people who had them if they were selling so many. Yeah, and I don't think they've been available for that long have they assuming they are available of course no i mean it's you know it just sounded kind of very strange i know a mate of mine got burned you know in his opinion quite badly when computer warehouse were doing them years ago in the sort of late uh, 90s and uh, you know he ended up after jobs kind of came back and went right that's it we're ending all of that he ended up with this machine that was pretty much useless after about a year um so yeah, power, power computing used to do them, didn't they? I mean, and people used to buy them then. You know, you buy a power computer one, it would just be a bit cheaper. Yeah, but it was licensed. It was okay then. That was legit, wasn't it? And then Apple changed it all. But this this kind of thing, I don't know. I I I couldn't really see because you only get for for your three hundred bucks, four hundred bucks, you get a two point two core duo with two gigs of RAM and a two hundred fifty gig hard drive. That's kind of it. Which I suppose isn't bad for a PC with no OS. I mean, that's not terribly terribly um cheap but how much is the os then well the os uh, according to their site is 155 bucks for the uh os 10 10.5 is that with with 
with the Hackintosh bit on. Yeah, and they, the you can buy server. it pre with with the um, the Mac OS pre-installed. See, that's surely when they're falling foul of copyright if they pre-install the software because that software is never meant to be on that machine, is it? Uh, well, no, I suppose not. But um, they're only falling foul of the end u and the the EULA, the the end user license agreement, which is not kind of quite the same degree. It's not like piracy or anything. So I don't know, but I'm sure Apple will probably squash them like insects. But I, when I was looking at it and pricing out, I was thinking, well, would I actually want for the sake the sake of a couple of hundred bucks? Would I want something that I'm not going to get any support for? I've got an illegitimate operating system, et cetera, et cetera. Is it worth saving that much money? I mean, how much money do you have to save before it would be worth doing that? Um, if you were a poor student, it would probably be worth it. Poor student, poor student genius computer programmer. That's what you'd have to be to buy one of these. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're genius... <laughs> I don't have hours and hours and hours to fiddle around with these things when they go wrong now, so I, I wouldn't want one. I don't exactly. Think. I mean, you could buy, like I said, you could, for 700 bucks, you could buy uh, a Mac Mini. Mm-hmm. Right. With, yeah. that, that's know. the answer to the question to me. And if you, if, actually, if you really wanted to go for the cheap route for a bit less than that, you could buy what are those things called? ITV or whatever it's Mac TV. Yeah, thing which is it. basically a Mac Mini anyway, isn't it? And you yeah. can you can hack them quite easily to turn them into Mac Minis, can't you? Apparently, yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, and they're what they're like three hundred, four hundred dollars or something. Three hundred dollars. I don't know. Yeah, so they're not that far off. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sh- PJ, Strange, would you be tempted, or would you rather go legit if you were going to no, do it? No, I'd much rather go legit. I'd I'd buy a <clears throat> I'd buy a bona fide Mac, particularly the new Mac. You've seen the new um, iMacs that are out? The three gig, yeah. twenty four. They're pretty amazing. Twenty four inch one. That's quite quite yeah. tempting. Yeah, mm. yep, they're beautiful. I wouldn't mind. I was one just of those. at the Macintosh store the other day, the Apple store. Well, with the clones, um, send in the clones, I think, was one of my favourite lines, and I think that was from the Judge, Jed- Judge Dredd film. It was the only good thing in the Judge Dredd movie. <laughs> <laughs> and on that rather dubious link note, I think we'll, uh, we'll terminate the podcast. So uh, thanks very much for joining us. PJ, glad to have you back, even though it was very briefly. Sorry you dropped out there. You had a bit of Skype trouble. So uh, PJ Tracy from Minneapolis, thank you for joining us, and... Have a great wedding, and all the best to you and yours. Thank you very yeah. much. It was, a, it was a pleasure being back, guys. Does that mean you won't be able to do the podcast next week? Uh, next week? Yeah, probably not next week, but most definitely the week after that. <laughs> okay, well, have a great break. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, Mr. Mark Tinley um, from um, sunny Cambridgeshire. There's a bull charging across the field on the other side of the river at the moment. I, I think he's aiming for cows. Blimey. So that's quite exciting. Probably feeling and frisky. Go and check that out, but um, make sure you cover your son's eyes if it gets too X-rated. <laughs> and I haven't <laughs> died of consuming teeth yet. I still seem to be with you. So Excellent. I guess an East one, some pink milk as well, so I need to go and attend to that. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it much. a lot, as always. Cheers, Mark. See you soon. See you next week. Cheers. Bye. Mark Tinley, myspace.com forward slash Mark Tinley there. And Mr. Rich Hilton from Connecticut, um, fresh from his uh, gala performance with uh, Niall and the band and everybody else. And um, pleasure to have you here this week also. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. Uh, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. And last but not least, uh, Mr. Dave Spears from g4software.com, makers of fine software musical instruments. Dave, thank you for joining us again. Thank you very much. Can I just give a shout out to my favourite website at the minute? Please do. It's called instantrimshot.com and it's just a big, big um, red button. When you press it, it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Bada bing. (laughs) Mark and myself were encouraging people to to phone in and um, not be shy. And this is Dave from Richmond who left a rather... Uh, a non-descriptive, but still mighty enjoyable message on the answer. I'm just going to play it for you. It is Dave in Richmond, Virginia. This is a, a Dave Smith Evolver Bank Number no. Three Program Number no. Forty Nine and a Chaos Pad set at eighty two. You know, I never knew they could do that. 
Isn't that great? Thanks. Bye. Thanks, uh, Dave from Richmond. Uh, and I just want to say, please keep them coming. If anyone's got any more they want to send, we're quite happy to. That was Dave from Richmond, Virginia. Thank you very much for sending that in. That's with a Dave Smith revolver and a um, chaos pad. With a very unique and vocal sounding preset, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, on that note, I will um, we'll call it a day. I'm getting married in the morning. Ding dong, the bells are going to chime. Pull out the stopper, let's have a whopper, but get me to the church on time. I got to be there in the morning. Spruced up and looking in me prime Girls, come and kiss me Show how you'll miss me But get me to the church on time Sonic State Not home.